Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday the 13th of July. As Sydney's COVID crisis worsens, another two states are now on alert after recording positive cases who had been in New South Wales. Yesterday, Sydney recorded its highest number of COVID cases since the outbreak began, with 112 new infections, and at least 34 of those new cases were in the community while infectious. 68 people with COVID are being treated in hospital, with 18 in intensive care, with four of those on ventilators. The number of exposure sites continues to grow across Sydney, especially in the southwest, while there is still no official word on when the stay-at-home orders will lift. Clinical epidemiologist Professor Angela Webster has told the project lockdown restrictions could be around for at least another two months. I think the best case scenario was going to be four to six weeks total, but I think from now, looking at today's numbers and expecting them to rise over the next few days, we're likely to see the effect of the more severe lockdown measures playing out towards the end of this week, where we hope things will go down. But I would think at least another uh, six to eight weeks from now. Meantime, there could be some much-needed financial assistance on the way for workers and businesses devastated by the lockdown. A joint financial assistance package is expected to be announced as early as today after being finalised overnight. It's set to be jointly funded by the New South Wales and federal governments and will reportedly see the COVID disaster payment for individuals increased while businesses hit hard will be given cash to keep employees in their jobs. Australian Council of Social Service CEO Dr Cassandra Goldie says the lack of support so far has forced people to still go to work. The big message out there is for everybody to stay home, to stay safe. Well, if you're at risk of losing the roof over your head, that means people will not be able to keep themselves safe and therefore we risk everybody's safety. Meantime, Australia's expert vaccination task force has not changed its advice on the AstraZeneca jab, despite the increased COVID risk in Sydney. The Australian Technical Advisory Group deliberated overnight, with it standing by its recommendation for Australians over the age of 60 to get the jab. It follows the death of a 72-year-old woman from South Australia, likely linked to the AstraZeneca vaccine. And we'll have more details on this story shortly from our reporter on the ground. And overseas, Prince William and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson are among those who have slammed racist abuse hurled at a number of England soccer players after the team lost the Euro 2020 final to Italy in penalty shootouts. Here is Boris Johnson. To those who have been directing racist abuse at some of the players, I say shame on you and I hope you will crawl back under the rock from which you emerged. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in South Australia this morning and the state has recorded its first known death linked to the AstraZeneca vaccine. The state government yesterday announced a 72-year-old woman died from a rare blood clotting syndrome. Our reporter, Sean Maynard, has the details from Adelaide. Yeah, the message is to continue rolling up your sleeve when you can, Tash, the Premier and SA Health. Sounding a bit like a broken record, but South Australians are being reminded of the importance of getting vaccinated 
vaccinated despite this latest death linked to the AstraZeneca jab. We believe the woman was rushed into intensive care on Thursday after getting her first dose on June the 24th. Sadly, she passed away overnight on Sunday. She's the fourth South Australian to suffer complications. Understandably, people here are apprehensive about getting the AstraZeneca vaccine as rare as these tragedies are. This, of course, coming as extra restrictions are placed on returning travellers trying to get home from Greater Sydney after at least one removalist who was shifting a family to South Australia visited the McLaren Vale region while infectious. The family have been quarantining. So far, the tests have been coming back negative. And to Victoria, and there are fears the Sydney COVID outbreak has now spread into Melbourne. Two infectious removalists from Sydney helped a family of four relocate to Victoria before visiting another household, which has now seen an entire apartment complex placed into lockdown. As James Lake reports from Melbourne, the list of potential exposure sites is starting to grow. Yes, residents of the apartment complex where the infected removalists went now isolating for 14 days, Tash, after they entered shared spaces, another Tier 1 exposure site has been flagged at the Balan Mobile and McDonald's from last Thursday night, where the removalists stopped. The Coles at Craigieburn Central is also a Tier 1 after an infected case visited on Saturday. And authorities are still trying to interview these truck drivers who came in from New South Wales, then continued on to South Australia to find out where else they stopped in Victoria. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined by Effie Zahos this morning, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Well, many of us are working from home and are using our computers and phones more, and the ACCC is issuing a new warning that computer scams are on the increase. Yeah, that, that's right. We are easy targets. And this was just released. Around 6,500 individuals have actually reported phone calls from scammers trying to convince them to download software that ultimately uh, allows them to access their home computers and then their bank accounts. Now, all up more than $7.2 million have been stolen so far. And that's an increased touch of 184% compared to the same period last year. And the two big uh, companies that whose names they use, the impersonated organisations, are Telstra and NBN Co. So if you get a phone call or, or a pop-up, watch out if it comes from them. And the way, the way these guys work is that you do receive an unexpected phone call saying that you've either been billed for a purchase you didn't make or maybe your device has been compromised or your account has been hacked. And the scammer then pretends to assist you or they may ask you to assist them to catch the scammer. And that's where they tell you to download remote control software such as any desk or team viewer. So they ask you to download that. And once they have, they've got control of your computer and they'll ask you to log into the application such as emails, internet banking. And essentially, essentially you're giving them access to, to all your personal information. So the tip here is if you do receive contact from someone claiming to be from a telecommunications company or a tech support group, just hang up. You need to independently source the contact details and then contact them directly from the number that you find. Effie, it's frightening they can access that type of information. Another very interesting story today, high income earners seem happy to be leaving money on the table rather than buying private health insurance. Yeah, Tash, I found this one really interesting because one in three high income earners chose not to take out private health insurance even though they could save money by avoiding that Medicare levy surcharge. And that's according to the uh, uh, new Melbourne Institute survey. And the incentive for high-income earners to take out private cover is basically you avoid that Medicare levy surcharge. 
So someone earning more than 90000 a year or a couple earning more than 180000 would pay an extra 1% to 1.5% in tax if they don't have the cover. And while they had a whole number of reasons why they chose not to take out private health insurance, the one I found very interesting is that some high-income singles are quite happy using the public hospital system and they're willing to pay more tax to support the public system. So, look, it's clearly time to, to re-look at this carrot and stick approach because it, it's obviously not working. Um, and as part of the May budget, the Morrison government did announce it would examine the incentives for taking out cover. And as we know, a lot more younger people are not taking it and a lot of pressure just remains now with older Aussies and, and that's why we're seeing premiums go up. Yeah, the system seems to be completely broken. Effie, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the NRL is warning any player who breaches COVID protocols will be kicked out of Queensland. Yes, good morning, Tash. Of course, uh, Queensland saving the day for the NRL season, but obviously this comes with strict conditions given some of the, the bubble breaches we've seen recently. ARL Commission Chairman Peter Volandis uh, spoke about the players knowing exactly what is expected of them in the Sunshine State. We've got to get rid of that complacency and start to realise that this is now very serious. And I think the players have had the wake-up call and I'm very confident that they'll abide by the protocols. And the Queensland Government have come out very strong with us today to say that any player that breaches the protocols will be kicked out of Queensland. Some confusion as to whether Dragons duo Zach Lomax and Daniel Alvaro will join St George in their Queensland hub. They've refused to sign legal paperwork that said that no one, no other member of the public was at that infamous Paul Vaughan house party. They're currently in 14 days of quarantine so perhaps they might be able to join them on Sunday once that is up Aaron Woods is seeking exemption uh, travel exemption revealing his wife is due to give birth tomorrow the Cronulla veteran says he's seeking approval to delay his arrival to the Sharks Queensland hub yeah, my wife's getting uh, induced on Wednesday. Some really good times ahead, and it was a really happy household last night when I come home from the game. I'm trying to get an exemption from the NRL or the Queensland government where I can drive up on maybe the Thursday or Friday and be able to be there for the birth of my kid. And said some other teammates are in a similar position, so it'd be interesting to see how many actually refuse to go to Queensland and stay behind at home. We will watch with interest, Brett, to the AFL Now North. Melbourne stunned West Coast last night to leave their finals hopes hanging in my thread. Yeah, it was an incredible performance. Jaden Stevenson, the former Magpie, probably his best game in North Melbourne colours, and they did it pretty tough over at uh, Optus Stadium as well. Uh, obviously, hostile territory, a place where the Eagles generally perform well and, and have comfortable wins, and looked like they were on their way to a big win. They kicked uh, the first four goals early in the last quarter, uh, but the Kangaroos managed to respond despite being a very young side. They kicked four out of the last five goals, and uh, their coach, David Noble, hopes this is a sign that that their rebuild is tracking in the right direction. Yeah, it could be. You know, it's a it's a significant achievement, I think, for our club. I mean, it's really tough here. It's tough to win. We'll probably look back in 12 months' time and maybe that will be, this will be the marker from where we move off from. Kangaroo's still bottom, but now just two points behind the Hawks, who are second bottom. The Eagles in eighth, but just clinging to that last spot in the top eight. They've now lost three in a row.
And Brett also making news this morning, several of the world's best golfers are pulling out of the British Open as an Aussie cricketer tests positive for COVID in England. Yeah, we'll start with the cricketer. That is uh, Peter Hanscom. He's been forced into isolation after testing positive for COVID-19. He's over in the UK captaining Middlesex in the county cricket, but was forced out of a game on the weekend after that result came through. Now, in the golf, Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama has tested positive, so he won't be at the upcoming British Open. And a couple of other... uh, Former major winner Zach Johnson, Bubba Watson are among some of the other stars to withdraw due to COVID reasons. Um, so that is obviously uh, going to have a big impact on the Open Championships underway this week. Certainly will, Brett. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. And it seems plenty of us were having a Barty party on Saturday night. New figures show more than 2 million Australians, or 1 in 13, stayed up very late to watch Ash Barty take out the women's Wimbledon final. The clash finished around 1am in the morning with Barty becoming the first female to win the Grand Slam since fellow Australian Yvonne Gulagong Cawley in 1980. Well done to Ash May. The party continue. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. Stay safe and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.